Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, talking to the fact that God had also made us. He has made us sufficient, able ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kill it, but the spirit give it life. God has made you and I and every single born again child of God. He has made us able, qualified ministers of this new covenant. Of this new covenant of righteousness. Of this new covenant of the gospel of Christ. And it is not according. It is not of the letter. It is not based on our works. It's not based on our, uh, on our own goodness. It is not based on the Ten Commandments or any other such thing. It is not based on any kind of religious practices. But it is of the Spirit of God. We are all qualified because of the washing and the renewing and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit that God has born again and planted us into Christ. Amen? By virtue of the new birth, by virtue of the reality of Christ within us, we are qualified to be the able ministers of the gospel. Every born-again child of God is qualified by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus. Amen? Can you say amen? amen? Now, so we have the very nature of Christ within us, and we are positioned in Christ at the Father's right hand. And, um, and because of that, we are qualified. Now, this, this qualification, really, because Christ is in us, really comes down to this reality, the fact that we have this oneness with Christ. And this oneness with Christ is the reality of righteousness. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So because we are the righteousness of God in Christ, and we are one with Christ, and we are born of his spirit, every born-again child of God is qualified as an able minister of this new covenant. Period. Amen? All right. Now, but God wants, the, God wants you and I to be the extension of Christ in the earth serving the purposes of God. In other words, God wants Christ that is in you to be living through you. Now, this Christ living through you is the functioning in righteousness. And that is very, very important. Amen? All right. Now, let me say this. The, the, the very reason why the Lord's ministry house, this church, this ministry exists, the very purpose and the vision of this ministry is, is this, and this is why we exist. This is why um, we, we broadcast on the live stream. What is it? It is to bring every believer into the place where he will function and be that tree of righteousness planted by the Lord. The Lord has called us, more or less, to bring the revelation of righteousness by virtue of the sacrifice of Christ. There is, because of the sacrifice of Christ, right, the righteousness of God is now the free gift that every believer has in his life. And it is for us to, 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 to minister this word and bring believers into this place where they can function in this oneness with Christ 
and be that and be the very tree of righteousness planted of the Lord that he might be glorified. Isaiah 61 verse 3. So that we might, every believer, everyone that we can influence, not only here, but even to the uttermost parts of the earth, thank God for internet. Thank God for live stream. We are not limited by the, by, by the walls here. By, by, by the way it is with technology, you can get to the ends of the earth without physically going there yourself. And by this word going forward, what is it for? It's so that every believer can come into this place, be the extension of Christ, doing the very works of Christ, Amen. Jesus said, Jesus says, because I live, you shall live also. And the works that I do, shall you do also. And even greater works than these. Because I've gone to the Father. And I'm now in you and living through you. And it is for the purpose of, um, so that God's will might be done. And we are here, what for? To serve the purposes of God. To cause God's will to be done in the earth. To bring fulfillment to God's purposes. How does this come about? This comes about as we are obedient to the word of God. Obedient to the spirit of God. And, as, and, 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 and we yield and cooperate with the Holy Spirit and the word of God. So that, we can, so, that, so that what God wants to get done can be done through us. And his purposes be fulfilled. We are here for the purpose of reaching the lost. We are, God's, we are God's harvesting instrument, so to speak. We are that sharp, threshing instrument having teeth. And when I say me, I mean, when I say we, I mean every believer. I mean you, everyone that trusts Jesus as Savior and Lord. We are here for the purposes of God. Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. You and I, every believer, has an assignment where he, the very purpose of his life is to destroy the works of the devil and bring into and enforce Jesus' victory on the enemy. And again, bring this, the, you know, again, from a ministry standpoint, to bring what? To bring the clarity of the revelation of the centrality of Christ, the person of Christ, who is also the one that is living in you. Hence the need for the revelation of Christ that is in you, the hope of glory. Amen? I'm saying many things, but I'm really saying only this one thing. We are here to be trees of righteousness planted by the Lord and manifest the very wisdom of God onto the principalities and powers. Glory. Hallelujah. So function in Christ, so function in God, that the very life and nature of Christ is emanated through us. So that we manifest that life. In one place it is called in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 15, that we must be the fragrance of Christ in every place. Amen? Now, I'm saying these things first of all because this is the purpose. This is why the Lord's ministry house exists. I'm also saying it because I know there, there, there's, a, there's a number of people on the live stream, our, our live stream congregation, so to speak, that is growing. And, and as we go forward, I'm desiring that you would partner with us. Partner with us, in a, partner with us um, by your giving. Partner with us by your prayers. Partner with us by sharing this link, sharing the broadcast. Why is that? Because you see, an army, an army of believers need to be raised up 
with this message, with this clarity of Christ within us, the hope of glory, with this, and to be able to function in this oneness. You see, the word of God says in Matthew 24 and verse 14 that this gospel, not another one, this gospel, Paul says, if any man preach some other gospel that is based on legalism or whatever, let him be accursed. But this gospel, this gospel of Christ, this gospel of Christ in you, the hope of glory, that this gospel must be preached to the ends of the earth, then before the end comes. Amen? What you are seeing happening in the earth and all the turmoil, yes, those are signs. But ultimately, this gospel must be preached to the ends of the earth. Who is going to preach it? God has raised us all up. Great is the multitude. Great is the company that declares and proclaims his word. Amen? And that includes you. That includes every believer. So we've got a charge. We've got a responsibility to get a hold of these things and be multipliers of it. That is one, anyway, that's getting off the job, but that's, that's one of the reasons why, uh, about, about the issue of agreement. Agreement, when we come into agreement on various levels of our believing and our receiving, and our doing, what happens, we are, a, we are shifting into a place where there's a multiplication that takes place. So it's not you alone and me alone, it's, but it's, it's one putting a thousand of light, two putting a ten thousand of light, where there is a compounding and there's a multiplication of the penetration of light into the darkness. Are you with me? So this thing is important. So even as we, are, as I'm mentioning partnership as it's rising up in me, it is not just for the for partnership's sake. It is for the purpose of the gospel. This gospel must be preached. Amen? Now, there are five activities um, and practices that, 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 that characterize Jesus' life as he walked this earth, as he walked this earth in the flesh. There are five characteristics that, that, um, that, 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 char that characterize his life. And we must cultivate these same practices ourselves. Why? So that he, listen to this, might continue to walk this earth in you and through you. Why? Because you and I, we are the body of Christ. You are now the body of Christ. And, your, and a body has been prepared for him so that his will can be done in the earth. And that's you. And that's here. And this is now. Are you with me? So we must cultivate these five practices so that we could be more effective and that Christ would be able to live through us just like he did when he even walked the shores of Galilee and Jerusalem and Samaria and these places. In fact, even greater. <laughs> even greater. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Not just as he was. Now these five areas are prayer, fellowship, worship, um, the word and, um, and evangelism. We've covered the, the first three last week. Today we're going to pick up and we're going to talk about um, the word and, and um, evangelism. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord God forevermore. Hallelujah. All right. So let's turn with, as we talk the word. Let's see, let's see uh, and get some insight into Jesus, the man, the man Christ Jesus and his relationship with the word. John chapter 1. Gospel of John. Praise God forevermore. And as we see Jesus' relationship with the word, we must also see the relationship 
he wants you to have with the word and that he can have with the word today through you. Amen? Hallelujah. The Lord God is at work within us. What for? To will and to do his good pleasure. God is at work within you so that you can des so that his desires could become your desires. Amen? And that he can give you grace and ability and empowerment and enablement to fulfill his desires and to do his will and to do his purpose. Amen. John, the gospel of John chapter 1. Now for the emphasis of the word, I'm going to... I'm going to just, when it says him, I'll say the word. Let me just read a few verses. John chapter 1, read it from verse, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word was in the beginning with God. All things were made through the word, and without the word, nothing was made that was made. In the word was life. <laughs> And that life was the light of men. The word is spirit, and the word is life. Verse 12. But as many as receive the word, to them give ye the right and the power to become the children of God, even to them that believe in his name. Praise God forevermore. So let's capture this. Let's see Jesus, the word. He is the word made flesh. The oneness that he has with his word. And, and he is, but yet at the same time, the Bible says he grew in wisdom and in knowledge. He was taught by the Holy Spirit as he, as he grew up. He was found in the temple at 12 years old. And then later on, we see in the book of Luke, as was his custom, as was his custom, he went into the temple. And then he found the place where it was written concerning him. And he opened the book and he read. There was a relationship that he had with the word. So turn to me to Psalms 119. Now I remember several years ago, um, the Lord spoke this to my heart, that um, Psalms 119 is a picture of, of, of Jesus' relationship with the Word, with the Word of God. And that led me to take Psalms 119 and dissect it in various ways, where I gather, gather up verses that speaks about but, and, uh, and, 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 and yet, and, 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 you know, and, and words, words that speaks about, uh, about the fear of the Lord in it. And, and let us begin to dilect, dissect it, words, scriptures, all from Psalms 119 that spoke about meditating in the word, ones that had to do with warning, and I'd gather them together. But the reason I did that is because the inspiration came when the Lord spoke to me and said that Psalms 119 is a picture of, of, of Jesus' relationship with the word. Now, I know all of the word of God, there, there, there's either there's revelation about the person of Christ because he is, he is the rock that, that Moses struck. You know what I mean? He is the rod. He is Aaron's rod, rod that budded, etc., etc. We know that. We get that. <laughs> Hallelujah. I believe he was the stones that, 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 um, that David took Goliath out with. <laughs> Are you with me? Amen. But in Psalms 190, let's just look just at a few verses and come back and read it and study it, especially with this thought in mind, that this is a revelation and a revealing and an unveiling of Jesus' relationship with the Word and therefore the relationship that you need to have with the Word of God. Are you with me? All right, Psalms 190, let's just pick up a few verses. Psalm verse 97. Now I'm reading from the New King James. Oh, how I love your law. 
again, when I see law and precepts and, and, and commandments I'm gonna, and judgments, I'm going to replace it with the word because I want to bring the emphasis out. Are you with me? All right. So how I love your word. Your word is my meditation all the day. You, through your word, make me wiser than my enemies. For your word, they are ever with me. They are engrafted in me. I have more understanding than all of my teachers. For your word, they are my meditation. They are what I think about. They are what I muse over. They are what I ponder. They are what I utter. They are what I hum. They are what I sing. They are what I study. They are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your word. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your word. For you yourself, you yourself have taught me. Glory to God. Well, you know something? You and I, we have the Holy Spirit. And he has come to teach us all things and to lead us and to guide us into all truth. Amen? You have the Holy Spirit to teach you. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your word, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Look at verse, look at verse 24. Your testimonies also, your word, they are also my delight, and they are my counselors. Think on that. Verse 4 to 5. I will walk at liberty because I seek your word. I will walk at liberty, which means what? I will walk in a manner where I'm not going to have the limitations like normal men, uh, like those that are in the world. I'm going to walk at liberty. I'm going to walk with, 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 without those limitations. How? Because I seek your word. Think about that for a moment. You see, to be at liberty is to be in that place where you are not hindered from doing and fulfilling the purposes of God. That's what freedom is all about. In Psalms, in Psalms 1, concerning you and I, it says, this is the, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, his delight, is in what? It is in the word of God, the word of the Lord. And in the word he meditates day and night. He shall be like a river. You shall be like a river. Planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season. Whose leaves shall not wither. And whatever you do shall prosper. Why? Because of this relationship, this intimate relationship that you have with the word of God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So Jesus meditated in the word constantly. It was his joy. It was his delight. 
He stood in awe. He stood in, in reverence of the word. He had a high, Psalms 119 verse 1, 161 says, I stand in awe of your word. I stand in awe of your word. He highly esteemed it. He esteemed it above and beyond his necessary food. One time he says, Mom, the disciple says, who gave him something to eat? He says, my meat is to do the will of God. The word of God is the will of God. He decided more than his necessary food. When the devil tried to tempt him, he said, look, man, and this is after 40 days of fasting. <laughs> Amen. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, that applies to you and I. The way our life is sustained, this spiritual life that we have in the spirit, the way we walk it out is by feeding and eating and consuming that word of God. This is how this life is perpetuated. We live by the word of God. Now, Jesus knew that the word was infallible. He knew it was forever settled in heaven. He knew that it was impossible for God to lie. One time in, in, in um, John chapter 10, when Jesus says, I and the Father are one, and the folks, they got all upset and they wanted to stone him. And Jesus says, what do you want to stone me? What, what, what for? They said, because of the works, I did these good works. Is that what you're stoning me for? They said, no, because you said, because when you say that you and the God are one, you're making yourself equal with God. And that's blasphemy. Amen? Now, let me say to you, if you say that you are the son of God, which you ought to say, with humility, but with boldness and confidence, you are not in blasphemy. Amen? In fact, you're honoring the reality and the truth of the word of God that has brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light and has given the spirit of his son in you, crying out, Abba, Father. And so Jesus went on to say, is it not written in your word that ye are gods? And then he went on to say, so that the word of God shall not be broken. In other words, Jesus had this revelation that the word of God must be fulfilled. Every jot, every tittle, heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of God shall never pass away. He said that, Matthew 24, verse 35. He quoted scriptures from the Old Testament constantly. And, in, and quite often, he would bring clarity and understanding and revelation to those scriptures. For instance, in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 and 5, it says, Surely he had borne our grief and carried our sorrows. We had steaming, stricken, stricken, smitten of God, etc., etc. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement, all that was necessary for us to have peace, all the punishment that was necessary, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes you he were healed. Amen? Now, Jesus quoted that scripture. You know how Jesus quoted that scripture and referred to that scripture? In Matthew 8, verse 17, after he healed a number of folks, he says, so that that scripture could be fulfilled. He said, uh, he said in Matthew 8, verse 15, he himself bore our sicknesses, and carried our infirmities. He didn't call it griefs and sorrows and all of that. He says, this is a, this is a demonstration of what was spoken. I bore your sicknesses, and I carry your diseases. Amen? He had revelation into the word of God. In another place, in, in um, Matthew chapter 21, remember when Jesus came into the temple, and he, and he took the whips, and he ran them all off, and everything else, and then the children began to praise him. 
and they, be, and they came to Jesus and tell him, like, tell the children to, to shut up. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Jesus says, out of the mouth of babes, and this is in Matthew chapter 21, verse 16, out of the mouth of babes, God has, out of the mouth of babes, you have perfected praise. Perfected praise out of the mouth of babes. Well, what does that mean? Well, when you go back to Psalms 8 and verse 2, it says, out of the mouth of babes, which is what he was quoting, you have ordained strength that you might silence the avenger, which is the devil. So Jesus took, took Psalms 8 verse 2 that says, out of the mouth of babes, you have perfected strength to silence the devil. He took that and he called it perfected praise. So what does that tell us? That tells us that praise, when it's coming from a childlike heart, has the power to produce strength. It empowers you. It strengthens you in the realm of your emotion. But it also can silence the devil. Amen? God ascends in the praises of his people. God has ordained praise to silence the enemy. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. But where did we that come from? That came from insight that Jesus had because he knew the word of God and he had revelation of the word of God. Now here's a verse of scripture, Luke chapter 4. I'm talking about Jesus' relationship with the word, which is the relationship that you and I need to have. Amen. Luke chapter 4. Jesus also knew the absolute importance. No, Luke 24. He knew the, and understood the importance of him speaking the word. And you and I must grasp that as well. In Luke 24, verse 44, Jesus said to his disciples, he said to them, these words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Now, when you listen to this at first, it sounds as if Jesus was saying, I told you all these things were going to, I told you all of these things, so that you might know that these things needed to be fulfilled that was written in the book of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Now, there's an element to which that is so, but it's beyond that. Jesus was saying, these words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, the reason I spoke them is so that they might be fulfilled. What was written about me in the book of Moses and in the laws and in the prophets. You see, God has spoken things concerning you and I, but we must speak them in order for, to bring fulfillment. We must declare what God has already decreed. We must say what God has already said about us. We must put the word of God in our mouth because we shall decree a thing and it shall be established unto us. And it will cause light to shine upon our pathways. It will cause fulfillment for what God has already ordained from before the foundation of the world. What the word that is settled in heaven, you and I must get a hold of it and speak it and declare it so it could become settled on earth. Jesus understood that. Jesus understood that. Let me just, let me just quickly just give you a couple of reasons why it is so important for you, to, for you to, and I to do likewise, which is to speak the word. Titus chapter 1 verse, verse 3 says, God will manifest his word through preaching. In other words, when you proclaim it, when you say it, that's when God will perform it. God will not manifest it and perform it if you don't speak it. If you just sit and, 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 and just believe in your heart, Jesus bore my sicknesses, carried my infirmities, and by his stripes I'm healed, and you just sit and believe that, but you don't speak it and you don't declare it, you're not giving God anything to perform. 
to manifest. You got to declare, yes, by his stripes, I am healed. His healing power is flowing in my body. The same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead, he dwells in me and he quickens my mortal body. My spirit is pregnant with divine healing and health and it, and it flows out of my spirit into every joint, every cell, every... You got to talk that way. You got to declare, Lord God Almighty, I shout for joy and I am glad you do delight in my prosperity. When I prosper, it gives you pleasure. Father, I'm gonna, I'll, let me give you pleasure today. Go ahead, prosper me. Psalms 35, 27. You got to talk that way. And it says, say it continually. Hallelujah. Titus 1 verse 1 says, it is when you acknowledge the truth that it will produce godliness, the God kind of life. Well, how do you acknowledge the truth? Do you just think it in your head? No, you speak it. Amen. Hebrews 3, verse 3, God, verse 1, God says, God uphold all things by the word of his power. Hebrews 4, verse 12, that speaks about the word of God is alive, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and, and it can penetrate to the soul, marrow, joints, etc., etc., and it's a discerner of the thoughts, the intents of the heart. Everything is naked and defenseless before it. That's the word of God, but, but let me go a little bit further. That word in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 is talking about the word of God that is spoken. Amen? So you want the word to penetrate to the soul, spirit, discern, and, and expose and let everything be naked and defenseless before it? You can't just read it. You must also say, speak it. Jesus understood that. And Jesus taught a lesson on how faith works based on that. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe what he say shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Jesus says, Matthew 10:32, if you confess me before men, I will also confess you before my Father in heaven. I'll confess you before the angels. Psalms 2 verse 7 says, I will declare the decree that the Lord has said unto me. Well, what has he said? Well, you need to declare it. You shall decree a thing, it shall be established unto you. The word of God as you speak it will become a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. So you know what is the next step. Amen? And it is not your, your responsibility or mine to cause the word of God to be established. And to cause the word of God to be fulfilled. God says in Jeremiah 1 verse 12 that he watches over his word to perform it. Jesus said in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 that the government is on his shoulders. The Holy, concerning the Holy Spirit, it says the Holy Spirit, he performs miracles. But he does it when he hears faith. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 5. The angels, they are involved in, in, in your salvation and your deliverance and, and, and all kinds of ministry. They are sent forth to minister on behalf of them that are heirs of salvation. Hebrews 1 verse 12. But how do they, how are they released? How are they activated? Psalms 103 verse 20 says that the angels, they hearken to the voice of his word and they do his good pleasure. It is God's pleasure to prosper you. It is God's pleasure to heal you. It is God's pleasure for your needs to be met. It is God's pleasure to move supernaturally and divinely in your, in your life. And angels are involved in that. But how do they do it? They, they hearken to the voice of his word. Would you like to hear something about your healing right now? Okay, I'll turn to scripture. Not hearing anything. This is about your, about, about your peace of mind. Not hearing anything about your rest. Now, until you speak it, this word has no voice. 
Are you with me? And can you imagine you go to a restaurant and you have the right and privilege, anything on that menu you can have, but you just sit there and all you do is you read the menu. You read the menu. But you don't tell the angels and the waitress what it is you want. Are you with me? So you must speak the word. The king, the angels, they are involved in performing it. The Holy Ghost is involved. Jesus is involved. The Father is involved. Even the kingdom of God is involved. And then as you speak the word, what happened? You silence the enemy. You see, when you say nothing, when you say nothing, the devil feels that he can just do whatever he wants. Amen? But you overcome how? By the word of your testimony and the blood of the Lamb. Amen. And we could go on. Again, another scripture. Paul told Timothy, war with the prophecies that went before thee. Now, you may have a prophetic word. Great. But you have the word of God. This is the more sure word of prophecy. Take this word, which is the sword of the spirit, and war with them. How? What do you do with the sword? You put it in your mouth. Amen? Put the blood in your mouth. I, I told you that, that a situation happened to me one time when the Lord spoke that to me. It's wonderful what the blood has done and accomplished. The Bible says the blood speaks. But what do you have to say? Take what the blood says and put that blood in your mouth. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So Jesus understood these things. Jesus was very clear about that. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So you and I are to have the same kind of relationship with the Word of God. Colossians 3 verse 16 says, let the Word of God dwell in you richly. Psalms 119 verse 18 says, Lord, open my eyes that I might behold the wondrous things out of your law. You and I must meditate in the Word. You and I must be doers of the Word. Get the Word to become so engrafted in our lives that Proverbs six twenty two will become your testimony. Which is, when you go, the word shall lead you. When you sleep, the word shall keep you. When you awake, the word shall talk to you. You must digest it. And I'm telling you, you spend a period of time, just a couple of days or maybe a week, and just be more in the word than you had been. Just, just spend a lot of time in the word, reading the word, memorizing scripture, speaking the word, and then, watch, and then, and then listen to yourself when you sleep. <laughs> Listen to yourself. When you sleep, you're going to start hearing the word. When you wake up in the morning, you're going to literally hear the word. Seriously. Amen? And especially when you go to sleep thinking about certain spiritual things and thinking about the word. God is going to communicate with you. And that word inside of you will speak. You get into conversations with people. And the word begins to come up and speak. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. So... It says in Psalms 138 that you are to magnify the word above all else. You are to have that fear and that reverence for the word of God. Don't despise it. Magnify it. God says, I'm going to make my word in your mouth. I'm going to make it a hammer. I'm going to make it like a fire. And then it goes on to say, he that has my word, speak it faithfully. Speak it faithfully. Amen? Speak it faithfully. Speak it continually. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord and delights greatly in the word of God. So that's in the area of the word, but you, you capture the picture here, all right? So you, you, we've got to make dedicated decisions and so on to consciously, on purpose, spend more time in the word, both in terms of quality and sometimes just having a CD with the Bible playing in the background, but, but spend more time in the word. And then there's the issue of evangelism. Now, Jesus is the greatest soul winner. 
Now, God's first priority for all men is that all men might be saved. You know, it says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and verse 4, it says that prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks and so on must be made for kings and for those in authority. Whether those in authority is the babysitter, that's important. Or whether those in authority is your boss, whether it be the president, prime minister, whatever it is, whether it be the, the, the head in that household, because whatever happens in authority can affect a lot of other people. Kids get messed up because of something the babysitter did that they shouldn't have done. People get messed up because of what they see an elder brother or elder sister do and the way they get affected. So pray for those in authority, including Elmore. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> but then it goes on to say why? That we might live a peaceable life. And then it goes on to say because it is the will of God that all men should be saved. Will all men be saved? No. But does God want every person to be saved? Yes. The Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen? The Lord is long-suffering. The Lord gives people lots of rope just so that they can come to the knowledge of him. Jesus, so God so loved the world that he sent his son. What for? That whoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came that through him the world might be saved. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Jesus is the Lamb of God. This plan of salvation was in the heart of God before Adam fell, before he created the world. The Bible says Jesus is the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the world. Revelation 13 verse 8. Hallelujah. So this plan of God is nothing new. It, it was manifested later, but God, had, God, God, had, God knew Adam was going to fall. Amen? God knew what was going to happen. God said to him, the day you eat this fruit, what's going to happen? God didn't say to him, if you eat this fruit. Did he say, if you eat this fruit, you're going to die? He says, the day you eat it, you're going to die. All right? God knew what was going to happen. And so he had Jesus slain from the foundation of the world. God had had a plan so that no matter what, he's going to still get a hold of you. And he sent his son. He went through all of that, had his son, took all the whipping and all of that. Why? Just because he wants you healed, because he wants you well, and because he wants to come and have fellowship with you. How much does the Father love you? Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Luke 19, verse 10. The Son of Man is, not come, to, is come to seek and to save the lost. He came to seek and to save the lost. That's the heart of God. God has placed within the heart and the spirit of every single human being a desire to know him. Now, when we start teaching about, about, about evangelism and how we can function in this area, that's one of the truths we're going to have to capture, that no one is beyond the reach of God. He is able to save to the uttermost. Every single human being, no matter how, how, how um, what is the word? Not paganistic. No matter how, how when you're a God hater and you don't believe in God, man, what do you call it? Atheist. No matter how atheistic you might be or whatever else. Or, or, or the ones that are so intellectual, philosophical. It doesn't matter who they are. God has placed in the heart of every man a desire to know him. A desire for his fellowship. Glory to God. 
It causes in Haggai chapter 2, verse 7, the desire of all nations. That's every human being. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11 calls it that God has planted eternity in the hearts of men. It was God's purpose from the foundation of the earth for Jesus to shed his blood to redeem mankind and to give birth to the church, to give birth to you and I. What for? What for? So that as the church, as you and I are born again into the kingdom of God, he can now send us forth by the power of his spirit and with the power of the gospel of Christ so that now we can reach the lost. So that he gets multiplication through us. So that the church can reach humanity. <laughs> it almost sounds like we're the savior of the world. Well, in the sense that he is, he is saving through you and I. We are ministers of reconciliation. It is God's determined will for you to take up your cross. Jesus says, come after me, and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I'm going to begin, I am going to make you to begin to be a fisher of all men. Now, we said last week, and it's worth repeating, there's about 7.8 billion people on this planet, and about 2 billion of them are Christians. Which means what? It's about an, an, another five or let's say another six that are not Christians. But that means that if every Christian was to reach four people, over the next five years, everyone would be saved. Well, some of them are not going to do anything. Well, how about, if, every, how about if instead of all two billion Christians, how about if simply just a, 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 a half of those, if each one of us was to go and reach ten people, over the next five years, two people a year over the next five years. Can you see what that would look like? The entire planet, the, all this could be harvested. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I say that so that we can begin to awake to our responsibility and that Christ is in us. And that's part of what he wants to do. Is he wants to be that evangelist and that soul winner through you and I. He that reapeth shall receive wages. There's going to be a prosperity and a blessing as we obey God and allow him and yield to him in that area. Amen? Now, so, so here we have these five aspects. We have um, the, uh, these five activities, these five practices that we need to develop so that we can become positioned so that Christ can flow to us more effectively. Prayer. Fellowship, worship, the word, and evangelism. Amen? Now, let's just have a quick overview of this. Just a very quick overview. Hebrews chapter 10, reading from verse 12. It says, talking about Jesus, that this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, guess what he did? He sat down. He's at rest. He sat down on the right hand of God, and from that time, he is there, and he is waiting, and he is expecting his enemies to be made his footstool. Why is he expecting that? Well, number one, because by that one offering, he has forever perfected those that are sanctified. In other words, then, he knows that the work that he did through his sacrifice has created a perfect work in you, so that you 
on the, on the inside, you are that qualified, able minister. He knows that. Amen? And he has confidence in you that as you walk in these areas of prayer and fellowship and, and worship and the word and evangelism, he has confidence that the life on the inside of you will begin to come forth and, that, and as Christ begins to come forth and as he's able to live in you and through you and you literally become his hands and feet and so on, guess what? He has no doubt that the enemy will be made his footstool. He has no doubt, and it is his expectation, that what? That the devil will be bruised underneath your feet shortly. So in summary, what should you and I do in order to be co-laborers with God and get this job done? Well, I'm going to just put it this way. Let me put it in seven different parts. Number one, you must know beyond all doubt that you are qualified as God's able minister. You have got to know that. You have got to know that you are qualified as God's minister. In fact, it is the very reason why you are here. It is the reason why you got born again. God said to Paul in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, that before I form you in the womb, <laughs> well, he said that to Jeremiah in a similar way, I knew you. And I had, and, 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 and for this reason, when you came in, the, and for this reason you were born, Paul, and it is for this purpose that I might reveal, I called you from the womb. What for? To reveal my son in you. And that you might preach my son, Christ, that is revealed in you to the heathen. So God, before you were born, knew. He, had, he knew you were going to accept Jesus. And he had planned and he had purpose that as Christ comes and lives on the inside of you, that you will be able to proclaim and declare that same Christ that is on the inside of you. Amen? What am I saying? It was a purpose, it's the very purpose for your existence, that our life of Christ might be unveiled, might be revealed in you, might be revealed through you, and that the world might see that God sent Jesus, and you and I will be the very evidence, the legal proof, the witness that Jesus is alive. Amen? And God has already programmed the world. They're going to believe it. <laughs> They're going to believe it. Amen? It's easy to believe that God has raised Jesus from the dead. You just tell it to somebody, they believe. Have you ever said to somebody, I believe God has raised Jesus from the dead? And they said, no, I don't believe that. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Have you ever heard anybody say, I don't believe Jesus is raised up from the dead? Look how easy that is. Think about it. And what does it take to get saved? To believe that God has raised Jesus from the dead and go one step further. Confess him as Lord. Oh, isn't that good? That's called the simplicity of the gospel. So we need to know beyond all shadow of a doubt that we are qualified as God-able ministers. How are we going to do that? Well, the word of God says that when you acknowledge the truth, that truth will set you free. When you acknowledge the truth, your faith will, be work, will work. When you acknowledge every good thing that is in you. So you must, first of all, to develop this knowing that you are qualified, you need to acknowledge that you have a union with Christ. You need to acknowledge that as Jesus is, so are you in this world. You need to acknowledge that because you're in him, you are a new creation, and you're one with him, number one. Number two, you also need to acknowledge and make the total identification with Christ. 
recognizing that you were immersed into Christ and you were buried with him by baptism unto death. And so you were crucified with Christ. Your old man was buried with Christ. And you were resurrected with Christ. You ascended to the Father's right hand. <laughs> Sorry. Hallelujah. <laughs> and you ascended to the Father's right hand in Christ. And you've been washed by the blood of Christ. And you're in this new covenant with all its rights and privileges, that you have the name of Jesus, the name belongs to you, and that the life of Christ is in you, and that God, by the Holy Ghost, is working on the inside of you, that every word he has spoken concerning you would be fulfilled. Amen? You've got to make that identification. Every time we have communion, that's what we're doing. We are declaring, I've got a common union with everything he did in his body, with everything that he did with his blood. I've got a common union. I've got a share. I've got a participation in it, all, in it all. Amen? I was baptized into his death, and I was raised up together with him. And as you make that, as you acknowledge that identification, and as you acknowledge the union, what will happen? You will automatically have an awareness and a knowledge and an inner knowing that you are indeed an able minister. Because as he is, so are you in this world. Amen? Secondly, you must also have, I'm talking about how, how are we going to accomplish these things? How are we going to have that life of Christ launch you? The second thing you must do, you must have a vehement pursuit to develop the conscious awareness that Christ lives on the inside of you. You've got to know that. You've got to, you've got, I mean, you've got to become so aware. So, I mean, you must become so programmed that it becomes part of your muscle memory that Christ is in here. Christ is in here. He lives here. I mean, you can't speak otherwise. The Bible says this. You must, make, Colossians 1, 27, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5 says, examine yourself. Check yourself out. Judge yourself out. Judge yourself and see whether you're in the faith. And then hear what it goes on to say. See if you are indeed in the faith. Because if, and that Christ dwells in you. Because if Christ is not dwelling in you, then you're not in the faith and you're a reprobate and you're disqualified. Right? Romans 8 verse 9 says, you're not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit. If indeed you have the spirit of Christ. This must become real to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 34. Awake to righteousness. Awake to this oneness that you have with him. And stop living and thinking in a place of separation from him. Awake to righteousness and sin not. Don't allow that sense of separation. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6 and 7 was talking about Jesus. How glorious. How God has ordained. That light would shine out of darkness. That in his face there's this revelation of, 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 of the majesty of God himself. And then it goes on to say that you and I have this treasure, which is Christ, in these earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. What am, I, what, am, what am I saying? I'm saying the need to develop this conscious awareness of Christ's indwelling presence. How do you do that? Well, number one, make it part of your daily prayer life. Make it part of your daily prayer life. Make it part of the communion that you have with God the Father. 
You know, I mean, some things I tend to do habitually. One of them is I go to pray and I say, Father, I thank you. I enter to your presence through the blood of the Lord Jesus, and I enter through the veil of his flesh. This is the new living way that you've consecrated. This is where I'm to live. This is how I am to function, and I just want to thank you. Well, you could also go on and say, Father, I thank you. I can call you my father. You are my father. And, and Jesus is my brother. He's my Lord, but he's my brother. I'm joined to him. And I thank you that it is the life of Christ that dwelleth in me. Christ in me is the hope of glory. Father, I thank you that Christ is made unto me wisdom. He's not off somewhere, but he dwells in me. I'm complete. I'm entire in him. Whatever. But just begin to rehearse those things in his presence. Amen? I'm talking about how you're going to become developed and develop this consciousness. Well, do it in his presence because I'll tell you, when you get into the presence of the Lord and you begin to pray like that, you forget about what it is you're, you're cooking or what you're going to cook. <laughs> you forget about your old needs. Your, your needs are going to just disappear. You won't even think about them. So in that crucible of his presence, it's like the power and the anointing of God comes and engages with you, and then the things that you speak, he begins to brand them on the inside of you. You do that day after day, then it, it becomes normal. It becomes real. It becomes, it, it becomes, uh, you become immersed in it. Amen? So practice it by your day of prayer life, uh, speaking and communicate accordingly. Number two, another way that you can get is develop this conscious awareness of his dwelling presence is exercising your conscience. The Bible says in Acts 24, <laughs> Acts 24 and verse 16, Paul says, I exercise myself to maintain a conscience, void of offense before God and man. In other words, you can exercise in such a, in such a manner that the consciousness of his indwelling presence begins to go past your mind being renewed and it begins to imprint on your conscience. The same way your conscience have come to the place where you are not counting beads to trusting in, in God. Why? Because the blood has delivered you from, from any dead works. Well, in the same way, you can develop this consciousness. The Bible says, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, when it was talking about the, about, about, um, the word of God being proficient in the word of righteousness. And it says, for those who by reason of use have exercised themselves, in other words, every time you get a reason to remind yourself that you're righteous and that Christ is in you, every time you get an excuse, do it. How many times a day something happens and you, you need, oh, Christ is in me. Oh, man, I don't know if I could do this. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Right? And here you are and you're feeling condemned. Oh, man. I, oh, I blew it again. God ain't going to hear my, hey, I'm the righteousness of God. Have a, you know, and just begin to talk that way. Just by exercising, you're going to affect your conscience. 1 John 5, 17 says, all unrighteousness is sin, which means when you allow yourself to think separated from God, when you allow yourself to think condemnation, guilt, shame, what happened? You're in a place of separation. So what happened? If you see that rising up, you see shame coming on you, condemnation coming on you, immediately run underneath the blood and declare, declare you're forgiven. Declare Christ is in you. Declare Christ is your life. Exercise your conscience. Amen? Number, another, another thing you can do is meditate on the word of God, especially scriptures that reveal Christ is in you. Colossians 3, verse 3 and 4, you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, shall appear, meditate on that. Galatians 2, 20 and 21, I'm crucified with Christ. No longer I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. Meditate on that. First John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. What else can you do? Practice the presence. Always, every now and then, you talk to God. Talk to God. Recognize he's here. Right? 
Come on, Jesus, let's lay hands on this one. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And then also, though, and then, of course, develop your daily prayer life. Plan to do so. Make plans and then do it. Develop your fellowship with, with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Ghost, with the body of Christ. Make plans and do so. Going to church is good for that reason. Not forsaking assembling together of yourself. Talking with other believers and encouraging and strengthening and provoking them to, to do to good works and, and to walk in love and to trust God is part of practicing that fellowship with other believers. But practice that fellowship with the Father, with Jesus, with the Holy Ghost. Worship. Develop your worship life. Which means you also got to develop the fear of the Lord. Psalms 86 says, I will teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Pray that scripture. Right? And if you're going to develop in the area of fear of the Lord, obedience becomes an issue. Trust in God becomes an issue. Purity becomes an issue. Humility becomes an issue. And then also to the word, develop, make plans, schedule time in the word and do it. Say do it. And speak the word, speak the word continually. Number seven, evangelism. Accept that this is who you are, that you are a fish of men and that you are to reach people continually. Plan it and do it. So, what are the seven things you need to do to, 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 as a summary of all of these messages we've been preaching? Know, beyond a doubt, that you are qualified. Develop, number two, develop a constant pursuit to, 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 to develop this consciousness of Christ in you. Number three, develop your prayer life. Number four, develop your fellowship. Number five, develop your worship. Number six, develop your relationship with the Word of God. Number seven, evangelism. Amen? Now, I'm going to close by praying this for you. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10, to be diligent. Be diligent to make your calling an election sure. And it says that if you do these things, if you be diligent, what will happen? You will have a glorious entrance into the kingdom of God. Into that realm where it is on earth as it is in heaven. In that realm where God reigns. In that realm where there is joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. You will enter and have a glorious entrance into the kingdom of God. In my mind, this is how I envision it. It's like here is the kingdom of God. Oh, and in there, there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, good stuff. But to get in, there is this doorway, right? And so when you be diligent, you, 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 it is like there's a big wide door that you can just walk in. But then if you're not diligent, there's this little slippery scuff where you got to squeeze your way to get in and it's kind of hard to get in. Well, you want to have a glorious entrance, don't you? So it says be diligent. Now, you think if God is going to tell you be diligent, he's not going to give you the ability and the grace to do so? That would be unfair. The Bible says God has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So whatever you need, God has already provided it. Whether it be favor, whether it be wisdom, God has already provided the diligence that you need. So let's just stand right now and let us pray and let us receive. Let us receive that diligence that God has already given. Amen? The Bible says, if any man ask, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Because God is faithful and he will do it. The word of God says, when you pray, whatever it is you desire, believe you receive it and you shall have it. Say, I desire diligence to act on what I've heard. So that's what you desire. So when you pray, what are you to believe you receive? 